We're continuing our series on 1 Peter this evening, Hope for the Journey. For tonight's text, we're going to read 1 Peter, the uh, entirety of chapter 4. So 1 Peter 4, verse 1 to verse 19. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the suffering of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. We're going to begin tonight by talking about the old way. Before electric power, so quite a number of years ago, old factories were mostly run by steam engines. There would be one massive boiler, one huge steam engine that would power a whole factory. And that steam engine would run a huge drive shaft, a huge shaft that would run the length of a whole factory. And sometimes they'd even go out of doors under a kind of shed and go into another building and run a bunch of power in that building. Other times, they'd punch a hole in the roof and they'd put up to a second floor a huge belt that would take power from that drive shaft and bring it to the one above. And then every machine that ran in that factory would have to run off of a belt or run off of a set of gears from that huge drive shaft. And all of that machinery, of course, took constant lubrication. So there were thousands and thousands and thousands of little oil drippers dripping, dripping, dripping oil all the time. And steam power is kind of an all-or-nothing affair. So if there was any single machine in the whole factory that had to run, the whole massive thing had to be set up, and they had to fire the boiler up. 
And these factories, as you may have picked up by this point, they were incredibly loud. Everything had to run when anything was running. And they were dirty, all the oil, the grease, the the gears, everything would just spin oil and grease everywhere. And they were, well, they were crowded. You needed to have everything connected to the central drive shaft, so all the machines had to be pretty close and not a fun place to be. And what's more, those old factories were dangerous. Every now and then, far too often, people would get a shoelace or a shirt sleeve caught in a gear or a pulley, and then they'd get sucked into the machine and Often they died. At the best case, they were mangled for life. Those old steam factories were nasty, dark, unpleasant places. Peter gives us an image of how when people lived in the old way, life was like an old steam factory. When people lived for for evil human desires, things were dark and dangerous. When people live as the pagans choose to live, as Peter says, things get heavy and oppressive. The type of atmosphere that sin creates is crowded and dirty and dangerous. There's always noise and fuss, and and that old steam factory of sin is a terrible, terrible place to live. And it always ends in destruction and death. And so Peter writes to his original readers and to us, and he tells us that we've all spent enough time in that old place. We've all spent enough time in that place of sin, and it's time to move on to something different. And Peter wrote at a time that most of the religions were fairly, we could say, exuberant. A lot of religious rituals were like wild parties, and so Peter has this list warning his readers against debauchery and lust and drunkenness and orgies and carousing and and reckless wild living, and on and on it goes. And Peter reminds his readers that they've been called away from all those old ways. He looks at life in two parts. There's the part before conversion and there's the part after conversion. And he expects people to be different. And this text continues to speak to us with the same message today. Not that perfection is expected in the Christian life, but that change is. And maybe for some of us who spent some time wandering, or maybe even now, there are some things that, that might ring a bell in this text, some things that we can look back on and say, well, yeah, I had to leave that behind when I really got serious about Jesus Christ. But I suspect for many of us, those descriptions of the old way don't exactly ring a bell. We might wonder, how does, how does that bit apply to me? And I think there's another side of the old way that maybe we don't pay enough attention to that we should. There's the old way of of the pagan party, but there's also the old way of the pagan pride. And many people who never got into the, the wild side of things, well, they've always been really good about keeping the rules and being the kind of person who was always upright And who could always look down on other people. There's the passionate religions of the party, but then there's also the cold, proud religions of self-control and doing it my way and self-respect and always being on the good side of the ledger. 
but whether we're out there taking part in Roman religious rituals or we're sitting in a different temple congratulating ourselves on how wonderful we are on our own merits, either way, that's the old way. And in all of us, there, there should be a, a transformation, a change when we look back to where we are now. But in all of us, there's something left of that old way. There's something left of that pull toward doing things, well, doing things not according to God's will. But Peter tells us we've spent enough time on that. Whatever time, whatever energy, whatever resources we've spent on those other things, it's time to be done, and it's time to move to the new way, First Peter tells us. And so we'll talk about the new way tonight. In the late 19th century, a new source of power became available for factories, and that new power was electricity. And when electricity came in, factories could run along completely different lines, in an electric factory, power wasn't delivered by one massive drive shaft. It was delivered by wires. And so you could spread out. You could set your machines up differently. And you could run one machine, or you could run three machines, or you could run 58 machines. So you didn't need to run everything all at once. You could run each part of the factory as you needed to. And you can develop different and much more efficient methods of production. And what's more... You can build and work in completely different types of factories. You can spread out. You can arrange things not according to the need of the machine, but according to the need of the workers. And all of a sudden, as electric factories came in, natural light was an option. Steam factories have to be heavy buildings to deal with all the weight of the machines, and so they have to be dark and oppressive. But electric factories, electric-based factories can have huge windows. There can be airflow. Not that early electric factories were an easier, wonderful place to work, but they were much cleaner, much lighter, and much safer than the old steam factories. Peter calls us to plug into a different type of power and to live in a different way, to open up our lives, to see the light, and to live in this new kind of power. And in verses 7 to 10 of 1 Peter 4, Peter gives four examples of what that new way should look like. You could call it a virtue list, and those pop up a lot in the New Testament, that they give a list of different ways that we should live as Christians. And sometimes it's helpful to really dig down into those lists and see what each of them means. But other times I think it's helpful to just sit back and look at the, look at the big picture. Look at the sort of life that is portrayed in this list of virtues. So we'll just quickly go through these four things that Peter calls us to with an eye toward what kind of picture they paint, with an eye toward what kind of life they, they portray for us as a life that is full of the glory and power of God. So first, Peter tells us to be alert and self-controlled so that we can pray. Another way to translate that is to be alert and sober-minded. We as believers are called to recognize the true state of the world. We're called to see reality how it is. And that means on the one hand, we see clearly how much this world needs God's work, how broken and how bad things are. 
But it also means that we as believers see clearly how the transforming work of God is going on. How Christ has really changed everything. How the darkness and the light, the old and the new ways are different. And how we have been brought to something new. We're called to be alert and to see the world as it is. And so to live and to pray accordingly. And then we're called to love each other deeply. And the message there is for us to persist in love even when sin and trouble get in the way. And the point is not that our love covers over a multitude of sins in the sense that it saves us or somehow provides for our redemption, but that love covers over a multitude of sins in allowing us to live together even as sinful people. Even when we make mistakes, even when we hurt each other, Christian love should enable us to practice forgiveness and to keep living together. And then third, as he builds this picture, Peter tells us to offer hospitality without grumbling. And hospitality is something of a lost virtue in our times, but I think it's one that we can reclaim. In the time that Peter was writing, hospitality might have meant hosting a church gathering in your home, and that would have been a costly affair. You would have had to have people over, and if if your house got marked as a place where those crazy Christians gathered there could be unpleasant consequences. For us today, practicing hospitality can mean all kinds of different things. It can mean inviting people over for dinner. It can mean getting to know our coworkers more. It means in some way welcoming people into our lives in a way that benefits them and costs us something. And fifth or fourth and finally, Peter tells us to use whatever gifts we've received for the good of others. The Lord has given all of us ability and gifts, and we're told here, don't hoard those things. Don't use them just for your own good, but, but offer them for the common good and for the cause of Christ. Peter tells us to be alert, to be clear-minded, to see reality as it is, to love each other deeply, to practice hospitality, to serve and to give for each other. And all those, those certainly aren't exhaustive, but they give us a picture of a new transformed way of life that is much fuller, much deeper, much more shot through with light and goodness and power than the old way. And none of us get there perfectly in this life, but Peter wants us to get that vision that the new way of Jesus Christ is so very much different than the old way. The new way of Jesus Christ isn't just the right thing to do, it's the best thing to do. It really does change everything about who we are for the better. But as we look toward that vision, as we look toward that that idea that the Christian life is a life of light and power and that it transforms everything and that it really is the best thing, we also need to acknowledge reality. We need also to read the last few verses of 1 Peter chapter 4. And 1 Peter chapter 4 at the end basically tells us there's going to be a long, hard wait. There is this picture of of a wonderful new life, but it'll be a long time till we really see that life. It's coming, but it's not here yet. 
The first electric generating stations were built in the U.S. in the 1880s, and electricity became steadily more available after that. But still, in the early 1900s, 20-plus years after electricity was available, 95% of the factories in the U.S. were still using steam power. And in fact, 25 years or so after electricity came in, people were still building steam-powered factories. And part of that was an infrastructure and logistics to get electricity where it needed to be. But a lot of it seems to have been that factory owners were really slow to embrace electricity. They just didn't want to go there. And part of that, a lot of that maybe, is that the switch from steam to electricity isn't just a case of pulling out one type of machine and putting in another, but you have to rethink everything. You almost have to rebuild your factories. You need to develop completely different processes and think through your manufacturing ideas completely differently. And often with the switchover, people would have to hire new workers or, or train their old workers to be more skilled in how they did things. And then, of course, if your workers are more skilled, they're more expensive. And so a lot of factory owners clung on to the old ways because they just couldn't see the need for the shift. And it really wasn't until the 1920s, 40, 50 years after electricity was available, that most factory owners finally switched over. In the 1920s, there was an increase in productivity in the manufacturing world that has not been seen since, and that really wasn't paralleled before in the history of the world. When factory owners finally got on board with this new type of power, it transformed almost everything. But it took a long time, and there was a lot of resistance. We should expect the Christian life. We should expect the kingdom of God coming to take a long time, and we should expect a lot of resistance. First Peter, in a number of places in this text, talks about how Christians should expect, well, they should expect suffering in this life. We shouldn't be surprised if we're abused, if we're insulted, if, if people give us trouble because we're following Jesus. We don't see this as clearly here in our time, in our places, in many other places and times throughout history. But the Christian faith is a massive challenge to the power structures and the privileges of the way of the world. The Christian faith demands something completely different from the world and we should not be surprised that the world is not happy about that. We should expect other people to be confused by us, to be unhappy with us if we are really living as Christians. The Christian faith is a long-term project, and it's challenging, and we should expect it to be hard. But then there's another angle that, that makes that suffering possible to bear. Maybe not easy to take, but possible to take. First Peter tells us that we should expect suffering if we belong to Jesus, yes. But then it makes the interesting move that if we suffer because we belong to Jesus, that means we belong to Jesus. If we suffer because we belong to Jesus, that means that we belong to Jesus. 
And if we belong to Jesus, then we are blessed. If we belong to Jesus, then the spirit of glory, the spirit of God rests on us and permeates our lives. And so then even as we wait and wonder at how long God is letting this sinful world go its own way, or at least how it seems he's letting this sinful world go its own way, even in that waiting, even in that suffering, our lives can be filled full of the light, the glory of God himself. First Peter tells us that the end is near. And we don't know when the last day will be. We don't know why God is taking so long. But the scriptures do assure us that the Lord has all glory and all power, and that he is bringing us to him in his new way. And so we live in hope. We live in perseverance, even through suffering. And 1 Peter 4 ends with this call for us to be committed to our faithful creator and to continue to do good. And so even in the midst of our long wait, Let's be committed to our faithful creator and let's continue to do good because the God of glory is working in us. Let's pray. Father, so often it's hard for us to really see what is going on in this world and in our lives. So often there are so many things that this world offers us or calls us to or demands of us that that don't look so bad. But Father, we pray that you take us away from the old ways. Father, we pray that you help us to see truly what this world has to offer and how little it's really worth. And Father, we pray that you help us too to see what you have already given us in Jesus Christ and how that is worth everything. Father, we pray that the times in our lives that we face suffering, trouble, challenge because of our faith, that you carry us through. Help us to see your glory even when life is dark. Work in us through the power of your spirit even when we feel weak and lost and alone. Father, renew our hope and renew our vision of you. Amen.